You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode 147. I'm your host, Andres Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Jelana Levin and Pontus Böckmann. Sziasztok! Всем привет! Hey, son, hey, son! Woohoo! Finally, all the three of us back together. Woohoo! Oh, yeah. Great. It won't happen too often in the near future. No, we're trying to avoid it, actually, listeners. Um, we, no. no, we don't. No, no, that's <laughs> not. not right. That's not true. We are not. That's the plan. <laughs> yeah. There is a master plan behind all this. Conspiracy. There's a conspiracy, yeah. Yeah, and George Soros is involved. Oh, sorry. Soros. Soros. Sorry. Soros. Actually, everyone, everyone mispronounces his name because his name is Soros. I think that would make all the difference in the world for all the conspiracy theorists out there. If they only knew yeah. how it was pronounced. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. So I was really sorry to miss the the interview with Pixie Turner. I just listened to the, the episode. It was a good one. And uh, she is a great lady. She's not that big. No, no, I, mean, I didn't mean physically. <laughs> she's wonderful. She's, she's doing wonderful. great stuff. She's amazing. That's what yeah, I meant. She and, you is know, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Changing your mind about important things that you've built your whole identity on is amazingly hard. And everybody who does that needs to have our full admiration. Yeah. But I liked how there was a moment where she went, hang on a second. Am I part of this crowd? <laughs> you know, when, when one of her friends uh, admitted to yeah. Uh, yeah. be against vaccination. Yeah. Um, yeah, we might end up talking about someone who's done something similar on this episode. But ooh, uh, teaser, yeah, teaser. let's not let's not get ahead of, uh, of ourselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let's talk about the weather. The weather. I think everybody should talk uh, about the weather. Yeah, it's such an English thing to do, isn't it? <laughs> I think it's a human thing. What's to do. it like in Malmo? I want to bring it up because it's bloody cold up here. It's almost uh, close to zero degrees now. Is it snowing? And uh, <gasps> no, it's not snowing. And we we usually don't get snow here in the south of Sweden. We usually don't get snow until uh, January, February. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, um, but it's almost uh, zero degrees and I'm cold. Mm. No, it's it's three degrees here in London. So it's not far. Ah, It's almost the same then. Yeah. Mm. How about? Yeah, very similar here. Yeah. Yeah. Right now I'm in Hungary, but by the time this ends, uh, this goes out, I might be back home. But so in the next couple of days, (laughs) I will be in the UK and uh, then I'll be moving on to Malaysia where I'm going to be fucking hot all the time. Yeah. So in on average by then we will be about normal. Very good. Yeah, I think so. You know. We, we'll be freezing and you'll be too hot, but in on average, we'll have the correct temperature. That's <laughs> okay, good. I'll let you know what, it, what it's like <laughs> over there in Malaysia. Yeah, so what have you guys been up to lately? Oh, well, I went to Stockholm. That's why I couldn't go uh, be part of the interview. I went uh, to have a... Uh, uh, board meeting with the Swedish skeptics. Mm-hmm. Uh, f- three to four times a year, we, we try to meet... Uh, in person otherwise we do this over skype but it's good i think to meet physically sometimes as well so you get to know each other and have a little longer meeting and have lunch together etc it was very nice i had a good time we went out to uh to a bar afterwards and uh yeah it was good 
Do you fly when that happens? Not when it happens, but to the event, yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I have to ask Pontus, did you get bored? <laughs> Uh, in the board meeting. Oh. 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 Andres, it's the kind of joke you would you would make. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, it is. Yeah, you're stealing my daddy jokes. <laughs> I did not get bored. We had a great time. Good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What have you been up to then? I had a great time recording with uh, the host of The Reality Check. Ooh. Yes. Of course. Tell us about it. It was just last night uh, that we recorded the episode and uh, it'll be out in a couple of days, probably before this goes out. And uh, I had so much fun. Mm. And just imagine that being a part of a show that is one of your favorite shows out there. I thought this was your favorite show, wasn't it? Uh, I said one of my favorite <laughs> one shows. One of them, okay. Second, uh, yeah, second. Yeah. We're like, we like probably number three on the list. You know, there's reality <laughs> TV, uh, reality check, the uh, SGU, and then us. And they were super yeah. nice. I, I really loved every moment of it. It was it was a lot of fun. Mm. So I'm looking forward to, to hearing what uh, Pat Roach, who's uh, editing the show, who's, who's the producer, producer Pat, uh, yeah. is how, how they refer to him all the time yeah. so uh, I'm really looking forward to that uh, the, the yeah. end result hopefully they won't cut out too much of what you said well if I were him I would do that but uh... <laughs> did you waffle Andres did you waffle come on yes of course I always do <laughs> should we uh, waffle, or, uh, waffle on <laughs> yes so uh, yeah I think we should crack on with this show because we have a lot to talk about ourselves. Yes, we do. And uh, to start the show, yep. we have you here, Yelena, to talk about something interesting that happened this week in Skepticism. We have me, indeed. Um, I'll be talking about something that happened on 21st of November of 1907. So very, very, very long time ago. So that was over 110, 11 years ago. Anyways, I don't know why I was trying to calculate how many years ago it was. It's completely wrong. Yeah, but good job. Good job. <laughs> right? <laughs> you made it. Given that I'm an accountant. so that Then it wasn't such a good job. <laughs> <laughs> it was completely rubbish. So what happened was that uh, Joseph uh, Issels was born, who was a German physician. Unfortunately, he was known for promoting an alternative cancer therapy uh, called actually Issels treatment. Mm -hmm. And there is nothing good I can tell you about this therapy, unfortunately. He first uh, set up a clinic in Bavaria in 1951. Um, he believed that cancer is a systematic disease requiring holistic therapy that boosts the immune system and removes sources of inflammation, such as tonsils and teeth. Um, at his clinic, he treated patients with um, cholestoxin, inert bacteria, Oh, is it colase toxin? Hypothermia, diet, injection of viruses, yikey, uh, oxygen as ozone treatment, uh, and psychotherapy, among among other things. Basically, because everything you could think of. Because, you just throw of it course, at the nothing, patient. Yeah, yeah. Nothing helps cancer like psychotherapy. Um, he claimed uh, to be able to cure incurable cancers and uh, attracted many desperate patients to his clinic. Uh, in 1960, he was actually charged with fraud for promising cures for terminal patients. Good. And man, 
and manslaughter for death of three patients who died under his care after refusing surgery that might have saved their lives. Um, and he was found not guilty on fraud charges, but guilty on the manslaughter charges. However, those were later reversed in 1964 by a German Supreme Court, apparently because the court believed that Issels was sincere and really believed his treatment cured cancer patients. It's a... Uh, a dubious yeah. defense, but it's obviously worked at the time. It wouldn't work for a traffic offense, would it? I, mean, I thought I you. Yeah. I thought I was okay to run a red light, but yeah. uh, you know, how how can? Ah, uh, yeah, I was convinced. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So in 1970, a committee of British cancer researchers visited Isel's clinic and issued a report uh, in the Lancet, uh, which stated that whilst the uh, he believes in the treatment he gives. He is misguided in his beliefs and his treatment is ineffective. Um, they, the British visitors saw 121 patients at the Bavarian clinic, but found none with complete tumor regression. Um, they saw another 48 patients for whom successful treatment of the advanced cancer was claimed. Of those, 28 seemed to have no evidence of disease when treated. Six were treated with cytotoxic drugs by Dr. Issels, two had their tumors surgically removed and one probably never had cancer. Of the remaining 11 patients who might have received some tumor response at the clinic, eight um, rested on slender evidence and the final three showed unusual features such as scar tissues from radiation mistakenly identified as tumors. So, so he's um, treating people for cancer that didn't have cancer? Please. Well. <laughs> On the basis of this report, plus the lack of independent trials <sighs> of the ESL treatment, um, the American Cancer Society described the treatment as not having evidence of objective benefit in the treatment of cancer in human beings in its 1971 report on unproven methods of cancer management. And to this day, ESL's treatment remains unproven and an alternative to standard cancer treatment given nowhere except the Isles Clinic, located in, in Tijuana, Mexico. Which, of course, of course still exists. Lacks, oh, fuck. Yeah, lacks um, laws in that country allows for them still to operate. To this day? To this day, yeah. He's got a website that, that's being run by his family. Uh, of course, website claims all sorts of wonderful things, remarkable results, uh, testimonies, no clinical trials, um, no published research, uh, nothing of that nature. And um, when he died and his wife, I believe, took over and then after his death, his kids uh, took over his clinic. Um, when I looked at the Cancer Research uh, UK website, um, they briefly describe his therapy, talking about the holistic approach. <laughs> but um, at the end of the article, luckily, they recommended that uh, people do not use alternative therapies instead of conventional medical therapy. Um, and that people should ask their own specialist about the alternative therapy or any complementary therapy before starting. Um, of course, the other thing I wanted to know about or was curious about is how much that might cost and what the treatments might include. And I found uh, another article where a poor British guy who was uh, desperate for, for any sort of uh, cures um, 
he wasn't getting anywhere with his cancer and he found his clinic in Tijuana. He went there and uh, he paid $40,000 for a month-long stay. And the centerpiece of this treatment is the induction of extreme fevers based on the theory that cancer cells are destroyed by the heat. Uh, but he also had a uh, diet of fruit juices, coffee enemas three times a day, as well as ozone UV blood treatment and intravenous application of an extract made from apricot pips. Wow. Uh, did you did you say an induced fever? Yeah. So how induction how, of extreme fevers? Wow, that is a very harsh kind of intervention, and it's dangerous. It's very dangerous. It is. Wow. It's another example of cancer quack. I haven't heard of him before, actually. So I guess that's a good thing. <laughs> and if they yeah. only and if they're saying on their website that they've treated fifteen thousand patients since nineteen sixty, it kind of gives me a bit of a hope that maybe it's not all too bad because it's not that many people. Well, I think it's thirty thousand people. It's, 15, it's a lot 15, of people. 000. 15,000. But it's still. it's still a lot of people. <laughs> it's a yeah. lot of suffering. It's 15,000 too many. Yeah. And it's a lot of money. Yeah. But 40,000 well, per month per patient. Yeah. 40, yeah. Well, it's now $40,000, but yeah. Yeah, was. but I'm sure that, yeah. And, uh, what uh, what he also of course had a, a get out of jail free card thing where he he advised his patients to keep the real treatment going like radiotherapy chemotherapy and whatever and to apply his on top to, comp- to complement it mm-hmm. and we all will know what that what what that means and then of course if it worked if the uh, uh, the treatment worked he claimed the benefit but it, if it didn't yeah. It was the, the, the fault of the um, radiotherapy or chemo- chemotherapy. Hmm. Yeah, but the thing, yeah, the thing with this is that people start using these therapies as complementary ones, but then after a while, a lot of them decide to just leave the the yeah. Yeah. The, the normal yeah. conventional yeah. medical medicinal yeah. practices behind yeah. and go only to the complementary and alternative ones. Yeah. So yeah. that is a dangerous field. Yeah. And he had uh, he claimed to have had a uh, research done, uh, a trial done for, uh, on 320 odd patients where he said he had a control group that didn't receive his therapies uh, treatment and then another group that received his treatment and the um, conventional. Tradi- traditional conventional. And so the uh, percentage of um, five-year survival rate uh, in his group with his treatment was 83% and the control group was 50%, but nobody ever saw the actual document that was never presented. It was just claimed claimed on his website as a thing, as, mm. a, as a given. But even if it had existed, it wouldn't have uh, shown anything reliable and anything anything positive but 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 that's besides the point there's no documentation it's only his words and and you can say whatever you want yeah he he could just have made it up you can say you flew to the moon yesterday and back and Mm. and put it on your website yeah i've done that a million times (laughs) (laughs) so uh so that's the that's the guy um not great joseph m isos yeah and the fact that he really strongly believed it worked i don't think it's a good excuse no it's not it's not. Hey, but it worked in court, which is quite concerning. Yes. Mm, hmm. Anyway, hmm. that's me. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much for that. Yeah. And uh, talking about uh, people who are delusional. <laughs> uh, let's see. Let's see what Pope Francis has been up to. Yeah, I'm sure he's sincere. 
So this Sunday, the Pope had lasagna. Oh, good Being for in him. Italy, that's a good <laughs> that's a good move. I think is that actual news? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Personally, I, I I don't only like lasagna. I do like it a lot. I can even cook a decent one myself. I should invite the Pope over one day or us. Um, but of course, this was a special meal and a special Sunday. This was the Day of the Poor. So Francis has had invited what I assume to be fifteen hundred of his poorest friends to dine with him. Uh, 1,500 poor people had lasagna with Francis last Sunday. I, I like how you call them his friends. <laughs> yeah, it must be. I mean, he, I, I, I'm sure you couldn't just invite anybody. Or has... mar- we, we call them marketing tools. <laughs> exactly. And that's very appropriate. I'll come back to that. Uh, because this is not nothing more than a publicity stunt. Uh, <laughs> nothing more than a publicity stunt. Uh, there's a good reason to suspect that the Vatican didn't even pay for this event. Uh, at least not all of it, because if you look at all the pictures and the video from this event, you can see a huge number of people assisting, uh, running around with big t- well, with t-shirts with the big Hilton logo on them. So, uh, by all signs, this was a sponsored event. But he could he could have been the one convincing Hilton to to sponsor the event. Maybe, so. maybe. But I will come back to as well that we don't have great insight into the Vatican's finances, so uh, we don't know. Surprise, surprise! Do they not publish their, their accounts online? How yeah, dare they? No, they are not. No. <laughs> <laughs> so in the videos of the prayers which came before the meal, you can see Francis uh, being all ho- holy and pious, talking about poverty in the world. Uh, hardly being able to hold back a tear. But at the same time, he's surrounded by the gold and magnificent wealth of the St. Peter's Church in in, uh, the Vatican. I would say it's more hollow than holy, at least to me. And speaking of the wealth of the Vatican, uh, the total worth is not exactly known. Uh, Surprisingly enough, even our favorite pedophile protector, uh, Cardinal Pell, of Tim Minchin fame and other uh, stunts, he admitted a few years ago that they had accidentally discovered hundreds of millions of euro that were not accounted for in the official balance sheet. Jesus fucking Christ, how fucking... So even they tell us that they don't really know how much money they have. How fucking careless they are and also like incompetent. Oh yeah. Yeah. That intrigued me. So I was trying to look up how much do we think that they are worth and uh, building on certain... uh, you know, numbers that I can find on the internet, I would uh, expect them to be worth at least 20 billion euro, uh, the the Vatican. And it's a lot of money. Does it include the the real estate as well? So everything? Hard to say, because this is partly based on public numbers and partly based on estimates from from others. And and, uh, and then uh, this couple of hundred million that they just found laying around somewhere. But imagine how difficult it would be to assess the value of the real estate in possession of the Vatican. Because, for example, there's... St. Peter's Church. Yeah. So it doesn't have a market do value. Yeah, it doesn't have a yeah. market no, value. You cannot <laughs> sell St. Peter's Church. <laughs> no, oh, don't say that, Anders. Don't give well, ideas. Can... Because I tell no. you what, there's like enough rich, stupid Russian people who will buy it. Yeah, I'm sure you I'm sure you could sell it, but nobody knows today what the market value is. You yeah, know, exactly. it's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's true. <laughs> but it, I mean, we, we can probably agree that you can buy a hell of a lot of lasagna for it. 
right? Yeah, 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 yeah def- definitely. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so if they want to do something real good, why don't they do that? Why don't they sell off a bit of their uh, big fortune and, and help the poor in a real way instead of inviting, you know, 1500 b- people to a meal i mean uh, that's nice i guess but but it doesn't really make a dent in the world poverty and it doesn't stop them being poor they're still going to go back to being poor it doesn't give them the chance in life the work whatever you know no exactly it doesn't help in a real way and i don't think they really want to help uh, it's not worth it to them because maybe the world is going to end anyway and that's what they're waiting for in his prayer in front of what we uh, what the vatican themselves described as six thousand poor and volunteers and so six thousand that means that there were a number of people who were not invited to the dinner afterwards but okay fine Uh, francis said to them we do not know the time nor the ways in which the end of the world will happen we know however a fundamental principle which we must confront heaven and earth will pass away but my words will not pass away, Jesus says. So that sums it up very much, in my opinion, that they're sitting on all this wealth, but instead of helping for real, they're just waiting for the world to end so they can go to heaven. And even when they do something, it's, as I said, more or less a publicity stunt, and they get somebody else to pay for it. So that's the, this week's Poking the Pope. Uh, I think they can do... They could do a lot better with all the money that they have. Yeah. However, I have to say that um, I sometimes start sympathizing with him, uh, especially when you start poking him. Um, <laughs> and that is... You develop a soft spot, spot for him. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I do think, I do think that he is absolutely sincere uh in his way of approaching this do you know that for example he he does not live in the papal palace he lives in a very small apartment in a convent that's called uh, St Martha but the point is he still has a palace yeah you know? exactly and exactly and that's not doing but, anything for anyone so what i'm saying that what i'm saying is only that even though he is the sovereign of the state of the vatican Mm-hmm. He doesn't have that much power. I'm sure. I'm sure it's, he can't really go ahead and like sell. I mean, it's it's a similar situation. Sometimes I see some kind of parallel to the United States. For example, Obama. He was absolutely sincere about doing good in the world, but he was constantly stopped. Yeah, his, in his he way. Kind of, he came a bit short with his promises, didn't he? Yeah, but end. is it? only his fault no of course not so even though i do agree with all the criticism towards the vatican Mm. i do give him the benefit of the doubt in terms of uh uh, his his powers. Yeah, but surely not when he's excusing the rapists and um, Exa- making homophobic, exactly. absolutely not homophobic comments, etc. So yeah. the, those are not. he he could he he could definitely be delivering a different message. Yeah, yeah. But going back to to Joseph Issels, it it it's not if you mean well, it doesn't matter. He's still doing the harm, and and you know, as a finance person, I can easily think that he already has a palace to live in. 
But then they're actually paying extra for this little uh, apart- apartment he's so living in. So that's like in. even worse, really, in a way. <laughs> that's right. So even if that, you know, it's uncomfortable for him, that's not saving money for anybody. No. So, yeah, but uh, how would you how would you suggest saving money? So uh, the papal palace is again something that you cannot sell on the market. No, so. no, but you could but you could stop paying rent for the little apartment he lives in, and those that money could go to the poor. I mean, you know, there's always ways to go around it. I think it's yeah. a lot of image, and I do agree. I I think he is delusional, as you said to, uh, in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I don't think he means bad, but. Uh, he's not doing good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I... And that's why I want to keep reminding people that even if he looks like this friendly uncle, especially compared to the old Pope, who was really Darth Vader in disguise. No, uh, not Darth Vader. <laughs> What's his face? Uh, <laughs> Emperor Palpatine in disguise. But uh, but he was really mean. But this one, yeah. I think he means well, but he still um, doesn't do very much good. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so the the fact that they co- they're worth potentially at least to twenty billion uh, euros uh, doesn't it means that uh, my thinking was right. It, it it's they're not going away anywhere any anytime soon. This no. institution is going to stand until. Oh yes, oh yes. You don't. And they definitely go against the teachings of Jesus. That is yeah. absolutely sure. And they so. <laughs> are waiting, and they are sincerely waiting for the end of the world. That's what they're Did hoping they for. Did they give us the date? No, no, no. <laughs> okay, I just want to put it in my diary. No. Like my Google calendar needs to have the date. I just, you know, need to be. You know, uh, you're mistaking them for Nostradamus. Yeah, okay. or well, it, I don't know. I mean, what, what was this, this, his face? Camping? Howard Camp? No, not Howard. There was there was this guy in the US who kept... oh the guy who killed himself and fifty of his or something like this. No, followers. no, no, no. He didn't f- kill himself. He just predicted the the. Yeah. The, the the end of the world a thousand times and never happened. Anyway, Harold Camping. Okay, so let's move away from the Pope. We have already given him and given him enough airtime, uh, <laughs> attention. Okay, thank you very much, Pontus. All right. Uh, why don't we move on to a couple of news items, among which there are some positive deeds as well to report on. Woo. And why don't we start with a very cheerful one? Uh, Well, every year since we started doing this podcast, we report on who's been awarded the highly prestigious John Maddox Prize. And that is an award presented as a joint initiative of Sense About Science and the Journal Nature for outstanding work in, quote, promoting sound science and evidence on a matter of public interest facing difficulty or hostility in doing so. Yeah. And this year is no exception. And now we are happy to let you know, dear listeners, that this year, someone we know and admire so much has been chosen for this distinction. Does, does, does this person's name starts with B? With a B. And the last name, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is former naturopath Brit Hermes, Woo. whom we interviewed on episode 108 of the ESP. Woo. 
Mm. Uh, she shares the prize with Professor Terry Hughes, the director of the ARC Center of Ex- Excellence for Coral Reef Studies and a world-leading expert on the Great Barrier Reef. Congratulations to both of them. Uh, it's been all over the news in the last couple of days, so it's it's really great news. But if you want to read more about them, go to Sense About Science's website, where there is a whole page dedicated to them and the award ceremony. Obviously, you'll find the link in the show notes as well. So again, congratulations, especially to Brit Hermes. We've been following her work and what she does is amazing. She's been uh, awarded several prizes for her amazing work as a skeptic so yeah just keep going brit (laughs) (laughs) yes we're proud to know you keep going indeedly yes uh following on from this wonderful wonderful news i have another good news um and this is from our friends at arp society spanish skeptics society for advancement of critical thinking and they have issued they have published their um, magazine, uh, the um, El, Ske- El Skeptico magazine, and um, it was uh, issue number 50. Um, so it's been issued in November this, so this is this month they've published it, uh, which is a great uh, milestone for them. And uh, this publication has been first published uh, done in June 1998, more than 20 years ago, you guys. That's pretty amazing. Mm. And um, so for those who can read Spanish, uh, you can enjoy this magazine and and uh, um, all the wonderful information that contains in it. Uh, But from our side, we congratulate you guys and uh, keep on keeping on. Yay. Good. Okay, staying with the good news, and let's stay uh, in the realms of Spain, where the Ministry of Health uh, has started something very serious that is totally unprecedented in the European Union. And that ministry is led by uh, Health Minister Maria Luisa Carcedo, and she is determined to stop pseudoscience in health treatments and it is a very difficult task but we know that uh, there has been a lot of noise in Spain around uh, complementary and alternative medicine lately so this is this is not a standalone thing and uh, uh, as well as her promising to to tackle pseudoscience uh, two months ago we've also mentioned here an open letter that was addressed to the Ministry of Health and the government of Prime Minister Pedro Sanchez and it was signed by 400 scientists and healthcare professionals calling for action against pseudoscientific practices in healthcare well we usually don't expect anything to happen with these do we but with a health minister determined like that it is not necessarily going to be the case that it it stays without any action. So, because um, as El Pais reports, uh, the government seems to have decided to make quite a bold move and issued a proposal to fight pseudotherapies that lack scientific evidence to support claims of their efficacy, such as homeopathy and the like. Uh, the project, which is called Health Protection Plan Against Pseudotherapies, and is totally unprecedented in the European Union, aims to oust these scam practices from universities and health centres, according to Health Minister Maria Luisa Carcedo again, and Science Minister Pedro Duque. 
who jointly presented the plan. I'm quoting Carcero. Their presence in these spaces gives the idea that they have a therapeutic use. The first thing we have to make clear is that they do not. And if they do not, it makes no sense for them to be there. Now, this is currently in the form, this pro this proposal is currently in the form of a, of a strategy, a proposed strategy that will still need to go through proper discussions and has to be made official. But it is a very promising step uh, that consists of four parts. They propose a communication strategy that will aim to subject alternative practices to the same scrutiny as scientific ones, a publicity part which aims to force practitioners to correctly inform patients about the efficacy of these therapies, or the lack thereof, and a part that makes it an absolute requirement for workers of health centres to have officially recognised qualifications. And finally, the fourth part would eliminate all academic degrees that include pseudotherapies from the country's universities. So this is a complex and great initiative. And even though I'm a bit sceptical about how much of this can really be achieved, as I'm pretty sure there will be a massive debate over this, um, this is an important first step. Yeah. And of, of course, we will report on any further developments going forward. Yeah, very good. And it's it's a very good follow-up. So this health minister, Maria Luisa Carcedo, she seems... We like her. ...more and more amazing yeah. to me. <laughs> so we've been yeah. re uh, reading reading things that she announced and, and she promised, and she seems to be sticking to her promises. And um, that's a refreshing thing to see in politics. <laughs> that's unusual these days, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> well done. Good job. And keep hitting it hard. <laughs> yeah, great. You know what? I have more good news. Oh, wow. This is a very exceptional episode. Uh, we go to the UK now, uh, where the BBC's executive complaints unit has upheld the Good Thinking Society's complaint against uh, a home homeopathy phone-in program on BBC Radio Leeds. Mm. So good thinking coming to the rescue again. Listeners in this program were encouraged to call in or text in to say whether homeopathy has worked for them, quote-unquote. Two of the three callers that was interviewed were homeopaths and they were uh, given significant airtime and claimed that homeopathy is effective to treat a wide range of conditions, blah, blah, blah. Now, after this complaint from the Good Thinking Society, BBC's Executive Complaints Unit has ruled that, and I quote, the conduct of the phone-in did not sufficiently reflect the fact that there's no peer-reviewed scientific evidence that homeopathic treatments has any efficacy beyond a possible placebo effect. And claims by some callers about its effectiveness in a range of medical conditions should have been challenged, end quote. So, yet another win for the Good Thinking Society. Yay! Yeah. Good job. Yes. Good job. You're going uh, very strongly there and doing the other one good thing after the other. Yeah. Okay. I don't want to bring down the mood. Oh. <laughs> but it couldn't last, could it? <laughs> also in the UK, it has just been published a couple of weeks ago. 
which is a survey and it uh, assesses the complementary medicine use, the views and experiences. So it's supposed to be a national survey in England um, with uh, 4,862 adults surveyed with a 10-question strong questionnaire. And, um, well, they they explored... Uh, 12-month practitioner-led chem use, uh, uh, why people use it, why they don't use it, their socio-economic status as well uh, was assessed. And, um, well, why I'm mentioning this is not necessarily the, the findings and the results. Uh, this could be discussed hours on end uh, and how the changes have been shown from uh, 2005 to 2000. Uh, 18 um, about a four four percent increase in uh, seeing cam practitioners but what is really worrying is the conclusion that was presented by the authors of this survey the, the this publication and i'm quoting this uh so i'd like you to hear it and just let it sink in so, cam use in England is common for musculoskeletal and mental health problems, but varies by sex, geography, and socioeconomic status. It is mainly self-referred and self-financed. Some is GP-endorsed and or referred, especially for individuals of lower socioeconomic status. Researchers, patients, and commissioners should collaborate to research the effectiveness and cost-effectiveness of CAM and consider its availability on the NHS. Mm. So, what they're saying, basically, is that because of the uh, availability, uh, the, the access being so unequal in, in society to complementary and alternative medicine, that it should be assessed whether it makes sense for the NHS to fund it. To fund it, yeah. Please don't go down that road. That is silly. That is just something that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So now put it together with what what we just talked about in terms of the Spanish health ministry. <laughs> yeah, it's a big, big difference wow. there. Mm. It's the complete opposite, going the, the opposite direction. So please stop screwing the NHS up mm. totally. I remember back in 2005-2006, the NHS was praised for it being one of the greatest healthcare systems in the world. And look at it now. Yeah. Well... That is a terrible, terrible direction. So please don't do that. <laughs> no, let's not. <laughs> and, uh, well, understandably enough, Edzard Ernst is probably much more pissed off than than we are about this. Uh, so this is this is how I came across these publications, and uh, it's interesting to see if if you are into the numbers uh, behind this as well. Uh, it's interesting to see uh, how it compares to their own survey done in two thousand ten and and uh, published. Uh, we will we will link to to both mm -hmm. articles on the show notes so from good news to bad news to some ambivalent news actually from from sweden on the 21st of november the swedish parliament approved a new law to not recognize marriages for children under the age of 18 
Now, it hasn't been legal before either uh, to get married in Sweden if you're uh, below 18. But if you were married in another country where it was legal, the marriage has been recognized in Sweden too, but no longer. So why do I say this is ambivalent? What are your thoughts on this? I mean, of course, we don't want to recognize child marriage. Child so when, when you're talking about child marriage, yeah, how old are we talking about? Well, how young, rather. It could be very young, depending on what country people are coming from. So, I mean, we know that in certain countries you can get married uh, when you are like even nine or ten. Yeah. But I don't think that's the usual number. But but yeah, it happens. It happens. So now Sweden will no longer recognize those marriages, even if they were legal in another country where they happened. So that sounds like good news, right? But actually it is problematic because the fact is that it can be catastrophic for certain young girls. And, and let's face it, it's young girls we're talking about because no 40-year-old lady will marry a 12-year-old boy somewhere. Yes, that, that, yes, that's yes, That's very course, unusual. Yeah. So it's, it's about young girls. If, if, because if, you've been, if you're married, you don't only have problems, you also have some rights and protection. As uh, unmarried living with an, with an older man, which you would become in Sweden now with this new law, you may suddenly have no legal rights at all. Uh, that would come with a, a marriage. So you wouldn't inherit any of his stuff if he, he dies. The, the, the guy you are so-called married to can easily marry the second wife because he's, no, he's not married according to the Swedish new laws, right? Yeah. And in many cases, these cu couples are also married both in a legal sense and in a religious sense. So you may un end up as single in the legal view, but still being married in the eyes of the congregation which you belong to. And it's very often Islam, right? And this congregation may force you to still stay with the guy that you're so-called married to, even if you're legally not married to him anymore. And you may end up in sort of a limbo where it's difficult to know how to act, especially if you are just a child and you don't have any education, you don't have access to, to any legal help, etc. So I'm, of course, not uh, advocating for for us recognizing child marriages as such. But this new law hasn't taken all these considerations into account. Mm -hmm. So it may be very, very difficult for some people. that th This law does not help the problem, right? And yeah, that there is another aspect of this. If there is this young girl who enters a country, obviously as an immigrant, right? So they don't yeah. have uh, a legal citizen status in the country. So they probably end up in the care of the state, right? Because because they are underage. Mm -hmm. So a, 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 a child at the age of nine or ten if found without anyone taking care of them, the state has to step in and get into you know, the, the care, care system. Yeah. So, yeah. 
So it's not, you know, it seems like the, the right thing to do. We will not recognize child marriages, but you have to think it through a little bit more because you uh, may screw up uh, the life for, for these children quite a lot. It's not easy. It's difficult. It's difficult. Uh, it's difficult. No, it's not. It's, no. So that's why I say it's ambivalent. I think this law is created with good intentions, but I think it's uh, not helping not everybody anyway i yeah. think it creates new problems yeah. <laughs> so um <laughs> shall we move on to something that is a bit more cheerful yay <laughs> so we um occasionally report on things the goings on uh with concept which is uh, the Portuguese uh, skeptical organization. And uh, we've had um, on the show uh, Diana Barbosa and Joao Monteiro as well, who are among the leaders of this organization. But recently they had a very important um, kind of event, which is called Concept Con. And it's a yearly event, an annual convention, and uh, it's it's attended by a lot of participants. This time, I think it was 80 people participating. And um, there was an award presented on this occasion as well. And this is the Concept Prize, uh, the Concept Award. Uh, and it is given to Portuguese personalities who have stood out in the promotion of science, critical thinking and scientific skepticism. Uh, this year, it was given to uh, Vera Novais. I'm hoping that I pronounced her name properly. She uh, is, a, is a journalist at the online journal Observer, and she has a degree in biology and communication science. And they say that uh, Vera Novais has revealed a high quality and accuracy persistent throughout his career. And uh, th she tackles uh, things like alternative medicine and glyphosate, uh, genetically modified organisms and the like. So the different, different detox diets and stuff. So uh, she seems to be a very good proponent of scientific and skeptical thinking so well done yeah. and uh, congratulations to vera novais very good very good good more good news yeah so why have you got yelena in terms of good news well not so good news uh -oh. Uh -oh. yeah be uh, surprised we're still t talking about this but but anyways uh, so uh, this is the about uh, christian parents who threatened uh, legal actions um, over the school's gay pride uh, parade oh fuck um, off and um, this this parents um, accused south london primary school of trying to indoctrinate their son against their belief so they're christians um and um it wasn't actually the gay pride parade it was um parade uh, just, just a, to be proud about certain things you know and some people are proud to be whatever they are and some people are proud to be gay which is nothing there's nothing wrong with that and so they saw it as um an indoctrination and uh, they took in fact they took their kid out of the school and complained to the headmaster oh. <laughs> Idiots. And they told the the newspaper that, that they, they've been bullied after lodging the complaint. And uh, they were told that it's inappropriate for children to be proselytized on this issue, whatever the, that means. I don't think they understood the purpose uh, of this event. It wasn't about 
making them gay and saying, well, actually, it's great to be gay. Let's all be gay. That's not all about. It's not it's about really how it works either. I mean, you know, celebrating. Uh, you know, you can. You no, know, no, no. you have to touch the gay person. Correct. Uh. So this is very much. And um, apparently, um, <laughs> or be touched this, by. Yeah. <laughs> apparently, the school has run a systematic campaign celebrating LGBT lifestyle. Shock horror, and uh, it goes beyond the parade, including children being read for. Uh, to from certain books and posters being put on walls and um uh, when you start making that the enterprise of education becomes proselytizing so from them making people aware that everybody is different sexuality is different being gay is okay is proselytizing so they'd rather for their kids never to hear anything about the fact that people of, of same sex can ever love each other yeah. So the fact that others are gay is is an assault on my re- religiosity. Religion, yeah. Um, oh, so we, uh, it's not clear what the consequences of their complaint will be, if if there will be any, <laughs> um, and they threatening legal actions <laughs> because um, the administration of the school hasn't responded in the way that they would like. Mm. <laughs> so I'm no, assuming watch the space. We'll see how that pans out in. 2018? Hmm, don't think so. They're claiming the freedom of religion thing, so I'm not sure how what? that's going to play freedom? out. I mean, it's it's against their religion. But that's doesn't make... Yeah, but you don't have to become gay just because others are doing a parade so or a pride thing. That, you you yeah. can still keep to yourself. The gay will rub off on yeah, their kids. Yeah, it won't yeah. rub off. No, I don't think it will, at least... And if it does, I mean, mm. yeah. And then it's not about religion. Exactly. If you become gay, it's not because you are not or uh, religious or of this or that religion. It's totally separate. Doesn't matter. And shock and horror. There are people who are religious and yeah. are gay. It can't be easy, actually. Ooh. If they, if they, so you know, all these self-loathing and stuff, and that's what we have to fight. It's okay. Go ahead, and be gay. It's fine. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, I know Pontus, you poke the pop all the time, but isn't he pro-gay? He, well, that's different. Uh, he's not anti-gay. He has said, <laughs> no, but for a pope, he's actually pre- pretty progressive. And he said that uh, God loves everybody, even the gay. But, you know, when you formulate it like that. And, and atheist. Okay, that's, that's what I remembered. He said something like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, something like that. So, it, he, again, he's not the worst pope that has ever been. No, that's true, that's true. But he's still wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you very much, guys. Talking about wrong, um, uh, have we got a really wrong? Or is it going to be a really right this time? No, it's going to be a really right, actually. Uh, good. I like those. Good. Yeah, it's Full sort of, of good a, news this time. Sort of a positive episode. This is, and uh, yeah, we're going that. to talk about the Norwegian Labour Party, who suggests revoking Altmed VAT exemption. So, in Norway, the Labour Party is the biggest political party, but as of September last year, they're no longer in power. They used to be. Uh, uh, a red-green coalition, but now they they lost power. But they can still suggest things in in uh, in opposition. So they're now pushing for a change of the law so that uh, uh, alternative treatments would no longer be exempt of VAT, because currently in Norway, 
Uh, alternative nonsense is classified as healthcare from a VAT point of view, which means that homeopaths, healers, and other such BS don't have to pay any VAT. So taking away this privilege would not just correct uh, endorsement of dangerous or ineffective treatments, it would also generate up to 20 million euros in tax revenue every year. So that's good. Why is there a VAT exemption in the first place? Well, and how long has it been there? Uh, it, it has been there since 2001, I believe. Mm-hmm. And that's when they decided that they wanted to treat alternative treatments the same way as other health treatments. And other health treatments, hospitals, costs, etc., were... Uh, or and it still is uh, VAT exempt from VAT in Norway. So they wanted to make that the same for alternative uh, medicine. Uh, one of the bigger uh, daily newspapers called Dogbladet, which just translates to the daily uh, paper, is also now fully supporting this suggestion from the Labour Party, and they urge for the government to accept the proposal. So that's good. I mean, it's bad that they have the situation in the first place, but it's good that somebody's trying to fix it. (laughs) So for promoting something so rare as sensible politics, the Norwegian Labour Party and the newspaper Dogbladet gets today's prize for being really right. Congratulations. And I do welcome this, this step. I mean, making mistakes is one thing. It should be tolerated. But not trying to fix them when you realize you've made them, <laughs> that's a different issue. So it's a, it's a good step forward. Yep. All right. Thank you very much, Pontus. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe we are close to uh, concluding the show. And in order for us to do that, I'm going to ask Yelena to hit us with a quote. But before we do that, could you please tell our listeners... Uh, how they can get in touch if they want to reflect on anything that they've heard on this show and um, how they can follow us. Yeah, so you can get in touch with us by emailing us. Our email address is info at the ESP.eu. Um, Twitter handle is at ESPodcast underscore EU. And uh, you can go on our Facebook page, of course, and like us there, send us direct message. Uh, you can also go on our website, which is theesp.eu, and send us direct message from there. Yeah. And if you want to get really, you know, take it in, even a step further, you go to uh, patreon.com slash theesp and you uh, pledge to uh, to support us with... Uh, an amount of your choice per per episode. Uh, some people pledge just one dollar, others pledge pledge two dollars, and some pledge five dollars. And there's no upper limit. <laughs> you can you can get, send us as much money as you want to. But you know any any contribution really helps, and uh, we would be very uh, happy if you did so. Also, don't forget to look at our calendar, which you can find on the esp.eu and you click on the Events in Europe tab, where you can see everything that's going on every week. And it has a lot of things going on. And it's really an inspiration, I think, for all of us to look at all the skeptics in the pub and other things that are always going on in all the different countries. If, if it's, you know, Bulgaria, Hungary, Sweden, 
Italy, Spain, Portugal, or wherever. And uh, I have to emphasize that it's only events that we know of. So if you could not find your event on there, please let us know. Please get in touch. Please let us know uh, what we missed. And I have to admit that there are so many things going on that I had to decide to turn it off for my own calendar because it it totally totally messed up my calendar. (laughs) So I could not see anything else but skeptical (laughs) events all across Europe, uh, which is very uplifting. It's it's, it's, it's a very great thing to look at. But uh, yeah, it totally messed up my calendar. So... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sometimes there's, you know, like 20, 25 things in a week can happen. Yeah. But, or even a slow week, there is at least more than one thing per day. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty good. And thank you very much for, for keeping track of all those Pontus, by the way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's conclude the show, shall we? Yalana, please hit us with a nice quote. Yeah, let's do this. Absolutely. Um, okay, I've got a quote from William Kingdon Clifford. He was an English mathematician and philosopher. He actually died really young, guys. He was 33, but he's written quite good and wise words all around. I like Jesus. (laughs) True that. I wonder if he was Jesus. Could be. Anyways, every time we let ourselves believe for unworthy reasons, we weaken our powers of self-control, of doubting, of judiciary and fairly weighing evidence. We all suffer severely enough from the maintenance and support of false beliefs and the fatally wrong actions which they lead to. And the evil born when one such belief is entertained is great and wide. Mm. Now, that's a poignant point back to the Honest Day segment I did earlier mm. about the guy who believed that what he was doing. Absolutely, was yeah. 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 Don't believe for okay. unworthy reasons. That's the essence, yeah. They always have to be backed up by evidence, yes. guys. But then it's not a belief anymore, then. Well, depending on how you define the belief. I mean, you know, I believe in gravity, right? No, I trust, I trust it. Even if I don't know exactly how, how it works. Right? So I think, I think there is a difference between belief and trust. Yeah, so okay. I trust evidence. I trust. I trust science. I think he meant belief in the sense of knowledge. So uh, I think yeah, yeah. that's yeah. yeah. Okay, I don't think we'll be able to find out what exactly he 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 thought. Well, ag- um, again, he was the philosopher. We are just amateurs. So yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's not here to for, uh, for us to ask him. Mm-hmm. But I'd like to thank both of you for being here tonight, uh, Yellow and Pontus. Mm-hmm. It was fun. And I'd like to thank our listeners as well for tuning in. And until next week, goodbye. Пока, пока. Bye-bye. Vislat. You know, I gotta say, Bigfoot's BS, but the Chupacabra is totally the result of top-secret government genetic experiments on a remote island. Taking medical advice from Gwyneth Paltrow, like steaming your lady parts and putting jade eggs all up in there, is a great way to improve your health. Police from around the world regularly use psychics to solve crimes. They just don't talk about it. Spontaneous human combustion is for sure a real thing. I've read all about it on the internet, and I worry someday it's going to happen to me. We all have friends and family who believe these things and much more. Well, if you're a rational thinker who is tired of arguing on social media and never getting anywhere, we have a solution for you. 
Join the Gorilla Skepticism on Wikipedia team and we will teach you how to add reliable scientific and skeptical information to the world's number one source of information, Wikipedia. We write new articles and improve existing ones. We remove pseudoscience, paranormal and ultimate claims substituting the actual facts. And we operate in many languages. We've already reached tens of millions of people searching for information, but as you can imagine, we can never do enough. So please join us. All you need is a PC, a Facebook account, and the desire to help educate the planet. In fact, you'll be educating the world while you sleep. Contact us at gsowteam at gmail.com. Guerrilla skepticism. The time is, is now. Music by purpleplanet.com. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats to info at the ESP.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Schraub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe You are... <clears throat> An independent weekly show in support of European love elections within the scandals. <laughs> Fuck off! <laughs> I'm just imagining the music in the background, so I'm dancing a bit. Sorry. <laughs> oh, we should be we should be recording video. <laughs> Which you can find on uh, the ESP.com. EU? No. <laughs> Is it?